the Live in Everett podcast, where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. My name is Garrett Hunt. And I'm Tyler Chisholm. Welcome to the Live in Everett podcast, episode number 60, which is brought to you with support from People's Bank, a locally owned and operated independent community bank since 1921. For a higher level of service for all of your banking needs, visit the team at their flagship branch right here in downtown Everett at 2702 Colby. So Tyler, what's the haps? Dude, I don't know about you, but my allergies are driving me crazy. Last week uh, on the show, Henry kept having to mute my mic because he said my nose was, I believe the word he used was whistly. Uh, <laughs> but that's like just how I've been feeling. Like I, I ran out of allergy meds over the weekend and I just feel like in such a fog. I'm like in an actual Claritin commercial <laughs> where I'm just like walking around in a fog days. So sorry if my energy is a little low today, but that's why. Bummer. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We went and checked out Cruising Colby yesterday, which was, I felt like maybe like the biggest event I've ever been to in ever before. I could before. not believe how massive it was. It was huge. Both the car show itself was way bigger than I remembered and just the people. I mean, I was, I was filming, we were doing a little video for Living Everett TV and I mean, I could even hardly hold the camera up because people were like shoulder to shoulder practically. I mean, it was busy. Totally. And like such a melting pot of people too. It, it felt like so Everett, but a melting pot of people in like the only way that a car show can bring out, you know, which I felt was like really cool. There was like some amazingly uh, beautiful cars and amazingly uh, beautiful uh, mullets and, you know, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I really like it. So anyway, this week on the show, we have Taylor Xavier, poet and uh, owner of Whiskey Knits. Taylor creates hand-knit items, sells crochet kits, runs knitting workshops, and performs poetry locally. Uh, We're excited to have her on the show this week. Yeah, absolutely. And before we jump into things with Taylor, uh, we'd like to thank one of our awesome local sponsors, Major League Pizza. They make high-quality, delicious pizzas and grinders, and you can even get a free personal pizza on your birthday when you sign up for their birthday club. They're located in downtown Everett at 2811 Colby, and you can learn more about them over on their website, majorleaguepizza.com. So, uh, Taylor, ready to jump in? Yeah, yeah, I am. Awesome. So, uh, why don't you kind of start by just catching us up on your background in Everett? Oh, gosh. Um, where to start? Uh, like any good small business, I operate out of a basement. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm living in the Port Gardner neighborhood, and it is gorgeous. It's gorgeous there. I love it. Um, I run a workshop, an ongoing workshop, at Black Lab Gallery called Stitchin' and Bitchin'. Uh, is it okay if I say that on this yeah. podcast? Yes. Okay. for sure. <laughs> That's what it's called. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, so I, I run that. We meet the first and third Tuesday of every month at Black Lab. Um, just a great way to get Get people together. Um, you reading poetry right around the Seattle area now, just exploring a little bit, and uh, working working also at Funco, as though I don't have enough jobs. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, what brought you to Everett? You're not from here originally, right? No, no, I'm from California. Okay. Yeah, um, I started just hearing about stuff that was going on here, and uh, I was living in Linwood when I first moved to Washington. So it seemed like every other day I was traveling to Everett. And uh, I thought, why not just move here? And why not Seattle? How did it end up being? Because I feel like if you're in Linwood and um, you come out here from California, it's like, I feel like most people would be like checking out 
Seattle and going into the city, but what was your, the draw to Everett? Um, you know, I've never been a big city kind of person. I really like visiting. Like I used to live really close to LA, so you know, every weekend driving in, but just the the nice, pleasant nature of smaller towns where I still know enough people, but I'm not crowded going to the grocery store. You know, it's a good mix. Totally. And you said you moved here to Everett like a year and a half ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. I moved from Linwood to Everett. I've been in Washington for about two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, so not long. Nice. Yeah, I still haven't cool. gotten used to the weather. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so what's uh, what's the deal with Whiskey Nets? I've actually never talked to you about it. Um, what was your inspiration for starting it? And tell us a little bit about it. Um, well, I love knitting, and I think that helps. <laughs> but <laughs> No, I've been knitting for about 10 years, and... Uh, you know, it's always something that I've really enjoyed doing. I keep coming back to it. You know, as your hobbies change and grow, mm-hmm. um, it's knitting was just something that stayed with me. And we have the fortune, I guess, of living in the YouTube age where people get really famous just by hanging out with their friends and, and chatting. Yeah, and like it's, opening toys and stuff like that. Yeah. I cannot believe what is popular on YouTube. Yeah, people have careers playing video games. And I'm like, why not? why not knitting? For you know? sure, yeah. yeah. Do you so, knit on YouTube? Uh, <laughs> that's that's coming up. That's okay, coming up. You Working know, live streams. Probably doing silly things like uh, teaching kids how to knit or cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And um, so, what types of things do you knit? Um, right now, summer is actually the biggest and the busiest season for me. Oh. Uh, not only is it market season, but I'm getting ready for winter. So right now, okay. it's a lot of beanies, a lot of socks. Um, I've already started my Christmas stocking knitting. And uh, so that's going to be really fun. Yeah. I like making just really silly oversized socks. (laughs) Yeah. And you made Henry's stereo wire hats, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. Those were awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's cool. So we have, I don't know, uh, this is not good for anybody listening to this because it's a visual thing. Oh, the hat's (laughs) not there anymore. I'm curious as to how you scale like a knitting business Mm -hmm. or you don't, you know, right? So you you either make like handmade items or you have to get some sort of knitting machine. Do they make those? Yeah, actually knitting machines are a thing. Oh, really? Yeah, they're very, um, I used to have one for a bit and they stopped making it about 1984. So very old, not popular in America. Okay. And as soon as it broke, I was out of luck. Mm. Wow. (laughs) So it was like a robot that knit for you? Well, it's, um, it's, pretty analog equipment like if you imagine a comb kind of sticking out yeah, yeah. Um, so it has those little teeth um, you have a machine that rolls atop the cross atop the tone the comb yeah can yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a machine that rolls across the top of the comb to latch the individual strings and then that is what makes the knitting so you have a machine that just goes back and forth and it knits a lot faster yeah that's interesting so but you don't do that now you're making everything by hand yes and so what does it take to like let's use a beanie for example Mm -hmm. what goes into making i have no idea how knitting works so (laughs) how long does it take to knit a beanie um it takes me now about two hours okay um, but i have made many beanies yeah yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's probably with a lot of practice yeah like where do you even start do you start at the center of the beanie and knit out Um, so I start at the bottom, um, and it's called knitting in the round. So I'm, I put on the initial number of stitches that I need and then I join it into a circle and then just knit it all the way up. Gotcha. Yeah. So how do people knit like names and stuff into Uh, things? That's using just different, um, it's the same stitch. So the same principle, but you just use different colors um, or a different pattern to like make the lettering. Wow. It seems very tedious. 
it you is. know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It can be pretty mindless at times, but that's kind of what I like about it. There's a little bit of meditation involved in that. Totally. Turn on a lifetime movie, grab your needles and start knitting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a I'm bad reality television <laughs> kind of person all the way, all the way. What do you, what, what's your uh, reality show guilty pleasure? Oh gosh. I just started what's called baby ballroom. It's on Netflix. Um, nice. it's, uh, it's, <laughs> Baby ballroom. Yep, baby ballroom. It's uh, it's about uh, very small ballroom dancers, um, and it focuses solely on this one studio in Britain that turns out some of the most amazing ballroom dancers in the world. And they're babies. Yeah, they're like uh, they're anywhere between like four and sixteen. Wow. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, I would consider that more of a child to adolescent ballroom, but I get the <laughs> that's not as much of a hook. Yeah, though. not yeah. as much of a hook. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I've been. I feel like throughout my 20s, I was really anti-reality TV. I'd be like, oh, it's such a waste of your brain, yada, yada. But this year, I got totally into The Bachelor. Oh, My okay. wife watches The Bachelor, and I started watching it, and I was like, I don't know if it's because I'm older and life is a little more stressful, so like the mind-numbing TV is like therapeutic or something, but gosh, I, I'm like not turning on reality shows anymore because I think I could really like really get into it it's, it's just, embarrassing just disappear yeah totally never see tyler again yeah it's a whole just like where'd he go yeah i started watching the bachelor never saw him again I don't know. yeah and it's like the bachelor is like the worst too because it's like just like the premise of the show and how it all goes down with you know i don't know it's weird we don't need to get into it here though yeah. Um, back to uh, whiskey nits. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. For Speaking my... of the bachelor, yeah. uh, whiskey nits. Yeah. Um, uh, do you sell your stuff locally or do you have like an Etsy shop or? Um, so I have my own website um, and that has my own store. Uh, so it's whiskeynits.com. And uh, I do sell at a lot of markets around the area. So um, my next major show is going to be the Seattle Food Truck Festival, which is oh, July nice. 8th, oh, cool. 7th and 8th. Yeah, that right one's on. going to be bananas. It's great because I get to eat behind my booth all day. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah, that's nice. awesome. So what's uh, what's uh, Stitching and Bitching all about? Oh, yeah. It's um, it's a free event that I put on the first and third Tuesday of every month. It's, um, it's just a fun little craft circle. Uh, I've dubbed it Crafts and Mayhem because we never know who's going to come in. Uh, the cool thing I like is that a lot of people who don't knit are usually the ones who frequent the place. Like we have a couple people who make chain mail. Some people bind their own books. Um, we've had jewelry made in there. So it's just all kinds of stuff. And it's, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool to see what people are working on and come up with, and we just get to chat about it. Cool. Fun. I love it. Yeah. That's rad. And um, so what's next for Whiskey Nuts? Oh, gosh. Uh, right now I am trying to get into more retail stores. Um, so... A lot of the pre-made things that I sell, beanies, blankets, rugs, housewares, all that kind of stuff, is kind of what I get known for because it's really easy to take a product photo of those. For but, sure. Yeah, 90% of what I sell is just yarn. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I dye it and source it myself. Um, so it's all done by hand. And uh, yeah, yarn. It's wow. a lot of yarn. And getting into retail stores means that I just can start to expand a little more. Have you ever been to Iceland? Uh, no. Okay, so I have a friend who's really into knitting who went to Iceland. It was like right before I went. And she was like, I couldn't believe the yarn that they have in Iceland and how inexpensive it is and how it's sold everywhere. And I would have never even thought about it because I'm not into knitting, but it's true everywhere. Like yeah. just in, it would be like the equivalent, equivalent of like our Rite Aid or something like that. And there's a whole aisle of 
just beautiful yarns. yarns. Yeah. 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 It's cool. When you just asked Taylor if she's ever been to, I thought you were going to say great yarns. <laughs> the yarn barn. <laughs> I, I just, I always see like that old house. It's over next to the intersection yeah. on like Rucker. Yeah, and I do. 41st want, Street. I do want to ask that question now, though. That's a good question. Have you ever been to Great Yarns? I have several times. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a card carrying. Oh, yarn. nice. Yeah. Nice. You know, shout out to Great Yarns. Yeah. <laughs> Where else does one buy yarn? Um, you know, there's a lot of places online. Um, there's Country Yarns in Snohomish. Um, whenever I take a vacation, I immediately go to the yarn store. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. like what my mother-in-law does for like quilting. Mm-hmm. She's the same way. Yeah, there's one in about every, in every town. Usually the smaller the town, the better the yarn shop is because oh, wow. they have to mm. curate it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that does make sense. So let's shift over to your poetry. Okay. Um... What made you want to first start writing poetry? How'd you get into it? Um, You know, I've always been writing. Uh, I was that kid that always kept a journal. So I think poetry was just the natural progression. You know, when you're angsty in middle school and you just need an outlet, you just write like really bad poems. Totally. Yeah. It's very therapeutic. Yeah, it is. But it's cool. I used to do like little illustrations and like, uh, you know, like color in the words, just make it all cute. I should tell you, I can't draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks about as bad as it sounds. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like the progression of the angsty teenage poetry mm-hmm. to refining it and making it a craft and how that, what that progression looks like in your experience. Mm, I think uh, my poetry shifted out of the, well, what I hope is shifted out of the, uh, the angsty, the angsty feelings. Just when I started doing it every day, um, you know, like any hobby, you just keep, doing it and you know you can't suck forever so (laughs) (laughs) um no just treating it more like a hobby i feel is when it got better um the luxury of poetry is that it's such a tiny community that i very often get to meet people that whose work i admire or who are putting out just amazing books and getting to talk to them and having them edit my poetry i feel made me just a lot better who are some poets that you love they don't have to be locally but local um, poets but gosh my favorite right now. Oh, that's always so hard. It's always changing. Yeah, um, yeah. I really enjoy uh, Kaveh Akbar. Uh, last year, he released a book of uh, poetry called Calling a Wolf a Wolf. And it's about his dealing with his alcoholism and kind of getting through it. Um, but the way it's written is very um, soft, almost like his alcoholism is like a separate being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, hmm. I just keep coming back to that book. Cool. Appreciate the tip. Yeah. So what's a poetry scene like in Everett? Mm, You know, I've been taking a little bit of a break from poetry. I guess as you will. Um, I go through periods where I need to consume a lot of of writing and works. And other times I'm just kind of like quiet, staying at home and generating more of my own work. Um, And I'm in one of those phases right now. But I hear it's happening uh, over at Black Lab. They, uh, They have Poetry Lab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, um, I, I worked with them for a little bit and it's just a great little, it's a great little spot to be. Yeah. You did know? you used to help host that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to, I um, thought I remembered seeing you there before. Yeah. I used to host, I used to, uh, book poets. Um, yeah. I used to run uh, the Everett writers workshop, which is a, uh, writing workshop that's based out of it. It's not necessarily affiliated with poetry lab cause it, you know, it's been happening since, uh, they, before they started. But, um, but yeah, helping out with that and just getting really, really close, uh, to local writers. Yeah. It's just, it's great to see them as you see them perform more and more getting on stage and just watching their work get better is just so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 
And then uh, it sounds like you went on a poetry tour recently yeah. or at some point. Yeah. What was that about? I, uh, I came out with a book last year. Okay. Um, and I booked, uh, it was a tiny tour, like three shows um, from Spokane. Um, I went out to Spokane for a bit. And that was uh, really exhausting, but wonderful. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So were all the shows around the Spokane area? Um, I did. I did two shows here in Everett, and then I did a show in Bellingham and one in Spokane. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So I want to know more about your book. I oh, didn't know yeah. that you had a book. Yeah, I wrote a book of poetry. What's it called? <laughs> it's called The Moon Expects Some Answers. Okay. Yeah. And is it still, can you get it? Oh, yeah. Still? I okay. have I have like 12 copies left. Okay. So it's in short supply, but yeah, it's still around. I want to get one. That's really cool. <laughs> and then can people get that? Is it... Um, like on your website or um you know you kind of have to catch me to get yeah, it but i yeah. have a couple copies at black lab okay right now so if you want to pop nice. in cool so you can buy them off the shelf there at black yeah. lab that's cool yeah that's oh. awesome um all right so do you have any place where anyone can catch you doing a poetry reading locally i know you said you're not mm-hmm. you're taking a little bit of a break from it but when uh when do you hope to get back into it? Um, you know, I guess when the time when the time allows. Uh, working two full time jobs, one of which is running a business, doesn't really. Yeah, <laughs> no much, Yeah, I'll usually read at Zippy's Cafe. They have a Thursday night poetry. Yeah, yeah. And um, you can catch me there. Um, I am hoping to get out to Seattle Poetry Slam, but that's down in Seattle, so that's a bit mm-hmm. of a bit of a jaunt. Do you know Kevin Kraft? I don't. He's like the. He's one of the professors at EVCC, uh, but he also teaches at UW too. And he used to be the publisher of Poetry Northwest. Okay. He's a super cool guy. Um, I just wondered if you knew him or not. So, yeah. Cool. What would you say to somebody who started, like we were talking about how a lot of people start writing poetry when they're younger. Maybe it's like that, you know, angsty teenager venting. But if someone wants to make it into more of a, hobby and start performing and and that type of stuff but you know i mean poetry is typically such a personal thing usually and so it's very like i've been to a number of poetry readings and i've thought about reading before but it's like so vulnerable Mm -hmm. like it's a very scary thing um what advice would you have for like aspiring poets or maybe people that are just interested in trying to get more involved with it. Mm, I would say po- poetry is nothing but personal. So if you're uncomfortable, you're in the right spot. Um, and, you know, just keep doing it. Uh, you know, you're going to write bad poems, but the great thing about poems is they don't take that long to write. Like, just just keep going. And uh, I know when I first started reading, the trick was just getting it out. You know, get up on stage and just get it out. And um, once you get that first kind of um, experience with a live crowd it's uh, the hardest parts over yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah I uh different but maybe somewhat similar I took a stand-up comedy class last month and the fact that it was a class forced me into the final performance you know because I was going through with the class through the motions and that was part of the deal was at the end you you perform in front of a live audience and uh, so that kind of helped push me into it but uh, yeah, it's always such a scary thing, you know, getting up in front of people and sharing your creation. Yeah, comedy it's... sounds like the scariest thing ever. It's like <laughs> I can get in front of a room of people and be really sad all day, but the second <laughs> you need me to tell a joke, <laughs> it's sort of where does That's our funny. where does our fear of like any sort of public speaking or performing in front of a group of people where does that anxiety come from? Because it's universal, you yeah. know. 
And is it a fear of vulnerability and opening yourself up to ridicule or is it, you know, for me, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a fear of rejection. It's like, uh, you said it's nothing but personal. So it's like, if yeah. you don't like the poem, they're like, uh, it, when you're first getting into it, of course, now I'm just like, okay, this is a piece of art. You can kind of separate yourself. But for a lot of folks, like just getting into it, it's like, well, if you don't like the poem, then this, this is me. You don't like me. And mm-hmm. uh, that can discourage a lot of people. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I had to give a, like a public speaking. I had to speak at a summit like two weeks ago and I had like two days back to back. But that first day before I had to go on stage, I was so freaking anxious. I felt like my heart was going to be out of my chest. I could hardly catch my <laughs> breath. And it's weird because I, you know, I play in a band and maybe I've gotten more used to it, but it's still, yeah, it's like one of the most terrifying things for a lot of people. And I think poetry would be even more so. Yeah. So good on you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. You're brave. <laughs> Thanks. So we're going to transition into some Everett centric questions that we like to ask to all of our guests. And the first one is, how have you seen Everett change since you've been here? Ooh, um, you know, we've gotten a little more popular, definitely. Um, I've seen some of the people that I came into Everett with that I've been either just working on projects with or have seen kind of grow like in, in the general downtown scene, because downtown's where I'm at. Um, they've just, they've grown in their craft, which is super cool. Like my friends are starting companies and like, um, and getting published or, or putting their art towards a full-time job that actually pays them. So it's, it's cool. We're, we're successful. Like it's, it's neat. That's cool. Uh, Yeah. What do you think Everett's best kept secret is? Oh, is it a secret if I tell it on air? That's, that is the question. Oh, okay. Um, Everett's best kept secret. There is an overlook point, um, right off of 33rd and Niles Avenue. 33rd and Niles yeah, Avenue. So like if you go, yeah, go about. down to the end, right? Where it's just like, it's it's about like a block down from the Rucker Mansion and there's just this little bench and you can see the Navy Yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's I like, do know what you're trying to look out. Mm-hmm. 33rd and Niles. I'm writing that down. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I've um, gone over there a couple times and shot like some video time lapses and whatnot. And, yeah. You know, there's like a bench there, which makes it feel like public. But then that feels like such an exclusive area when like people are walking or driving by. I'm like nervous. I'm like, oh, they yeah, probably right. think I'm not supposed to be here or something. But that is a super cool spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of I do a lot of like photography there, too. It's really nice. You can hear the seals bark. It's so loud. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you think Everett is misunderstood? And if so, why? Mm, I think it is. And I think that's one of the best parts of Everett is that people still see us as this blue collar town that doesn't really have much going on for it. And, you know, we have a lot of like what would be considered working class people here. But there is so, so much more to this. It's like everybody I meet, they're like, oh yeah, I work at a coffee shop. I'm a barista. I'm an accountant. But you know, at night I'm in this band or I do this community project. And it seems like everybody here is really intent on kind of following their heart. Yeah. It's the Everett way. Yeah. Um, what do you think Everett needs, if anything? Mm, we need infrastructure for homelessness. We need places for people to go, um, housing programs. We need a chamber of commerce. Uh, I'm a small business owner and just had to Google how to like get a business license. Totally. There's no mentor partnerships. So um, yeah, yeah. There used to be a 
Everett Chamber of Commerce, but it merged and became part of the Economic Alliance. Yes. So I'm sure you've already done this, but the Economic Alliance has a ton of resources for small businesses. Yeah, they do. They do. And I do. I like that. I went to their mixer last month. It was a really good time. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like the it is a little bit um, intimidating because the Economic Alliance works with so many large, like, you know, uh, large companies too. That So I sort of feel like maybe a small business owner would think that it's like not for them, but it is. Yeah. 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 Cool. I do feel like there's still a gap there though for, for little, smaller businesses. Yeah. yeah it's intimidating. Totally. I think the downtown Everett association is trying to help with some of that too, as far as downtown. And I think they're talking about, I think they're talking about starting a chamber or spinning something off into a chamber of commerce for downtown Everett specifically. But yeah, yeah. I do think that would be cool. I hope something gets developed at some point. Yeah. That would be neat. What's your greatest hope for Everett's future? Oh, gosh, that I can still afford to live here in five years. Gosh, um, we were just talking about that this morning <laughs> now, right? Yeah, that we get that we get a good mix of people who are invested in the community. Because I think that's that's really, you know, we see all these people who are coming in from Seattle because they can't afford the rent. I'm like, awesome, me neither. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they... I can I can name whole brand new apartment buildings. I don't know a single person that lives in them, you know, and it's not it's not their fault. I mean, I'm not I'm not putting yeah. like these yuppies coming in from out of town. But um, but yeah, just that we'll have enough people as we grow that are interested in bringing new and fresh ideas to the community. Man, this is like the conversation that I feel like we need to be having, like the people that are around <laughs> this table right now and with a lot of other people, too. But, um, you know, I've been in Everett for 13 years and I always thought I would move to Seattle and then I decided to stay here and put up, put down roots in Everett. But, um, what you said about there's whole apartments of people that you don't know. I used to feel like I knew everybody in downtown mm-hmm. Everett. I could walk around and be like, Oh, that person lives here. That's their name. Yada, yada. Now there's all these people that I don't recognize. And you know, a lot of people have invested time and effort into improving the quality of life here in Everett. And as the quality of life gets better, it's going to become more desirable. And as it becomes more desirable, it's going to become more expensive. And, but I totally feel the tension of, I want to be able to still afford it. Yeah. I want my friends to still be able to afford it and all that too. And I don't know what, I have no idea what to do about that. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we'll all end up moving to Boise or something. Or yeah. Topeka. We'll make a pact. Yeah. You know, we'll if, go to Topeka. Yeah. We'll just, we'll all move to the same place yeah. when, uh, when we get pushed out. Uh, well, we are going to transition into a little game we like to play called Fast Favorites, right. where we'll ask you five questions in 60 seconds. And if you can answer in 60 seconds, you might win a prize. Okay. But first, a quick ad read. Uh, do you know anyone doing good things in the community? Uh, McLean Insurance has launched a Community Champion Award. It's a monthly award recognizing regular folks doing good things in the community. Uh, winners get a micro grant and publicity in McLean's <laughs> monthly newsletter. And Henry has air horns. I kind of like that air horn in there. Yeah, leave the air horn in. I was getting ready for the game. We're doing we're doing uh, two air horns for this episode, so that's number one. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Uh, So, winners of the uh, community champion award get a micro grant and publicity in McLean's monthly newsletter. Uh, So, if you have someone you'd like to nominate, you can email your nominations uh, over to team at autohomeboat.com. So, uh, fast favorites. All right. Um, let's see. I have got my eye on the clock here. Tyler, if you want to ask the questions. All right, Taylor, you ready? Yes. Cool. All right. Here we go. What is your favorite place to eat? Soul food. 
Favorite place to drink? My bar. Your bar? My okay. bar, yeah. At your house? Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite place to watch the sunset? Uh, that overlook off of Niles and 33rd. For sure. Yeah. What's your favorite word to describe Everett? Vibrant. Nice. Uh, what do you like to do? Uh, your favorite thing to do when you have free time? Uh, knit. Duh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, there it is. Bada bing. All, All right. right. You get to pick one prize out of the bag of mystery here. Okay. This soft thing. Oh, it's a beanie. It's a, Look at a that. beanie that I'm pretty sure a machine knitted. <laughs> yeah, because, it's a machine because you probably don't. You it, probably don't have enough of those. No, yeah, that's okay. so you know, fun. I actually Beans, don't have a lot for myself. Um, it wasn't until I shaved like part of my head that beanies would actually fit. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess funny. you can see the photo. You can know I have really big hair, so <laughs> <laughs> it all just kind of like sticks out when I put a hat on it. So now I can wear nice. beanies, and so, I'll gladly nice. rock this one. Those beanies were they were made in the U.S. by a small business, oh, good. but they were somewhere on the East Coast, and I think I mean it's got to be made off a machine, right? It is, yeah. Okay, how can you tell? Um, the you wefting, yeah. So uh, just the way that the stitches look, they're really even. Also, the way that these are knit. Um, just looks like it comes from machine. It's also double knit, um, okay. so it's knit in just like one giant tube, and you don't really see that with hand knitting. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, all right. So um, before we cut you loose, uh, why don't you tell us where people can find you online again? Oh sure, um, you can find me online. I'm at whiskeyknits.com. That's whiskey with an e. Uh, knits.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at whiskey knit designs. Uh, you can also email me, uh, T-Rex at whiskeynits.com. Nice. And, uh, you know, my, uh, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's all. You can find me downtown. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> like, uh, why T-Rex? Um, my middle name is Renee, so it's Taylor Renee Xavier T-Rex. Oh, gosh, yeah. that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish that was, yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so thanks, everybody, for hanging out for the Live and Everett podcast. We would love to hear from you. Uh, send us feedback or tips or whatever you want. Um, podcast at liveineverett.com is how you get a hold of us. And if you're listening on iTunes, take a minute and rate us. It helps a ton. And you can keep up with all the good things happening around Everett by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter, The Weekly Goodness, which goes out every single Monday and is packed full of all of our content from the previous week. It's absolutely free. And you can subscribe over on the blog at liveineverett.com slash subscribe. Thanks again, Taylor, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate Uh, it. Special thanks to Oliver Elfarmy for our theme music and to our producer, Henry J., which, by the way, you can catch Henry's radio show. It's called The Stereo Wire every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. on 90.7 KSER FM. Well, my allergies are bugging me. I'm like, sure, I'm winded here. Uh, All right. Good things happen in Everett because of you. So thanks so much for listening and being a part of this wonderful city. Have a great week, everyone. This is why we're ever till the grave.